Good evening, friends, family, and countrymen to Midnight Movie Review with your buddy Kane. And it is Matrix Month. That is correct. It is Matrix Month, and we are doing a review for Matrix Reloaded, which is the second movie in the Matrix series. I'm Kane, like I just said. I'm doing this solo, and uh, hopefully you're all well. I'm fine. How are you? And, uh, yeah, so we're here to do the second of the Matrix movies. There'll be a third, perhaps, later on in Midnight Movies, but we're going to do this one right now, and I'll be doing it solo. So, you know what? Let's cut off all the um, the uh, nonsense. Well, before I get into that, um, what I want to do right now is I want to do like a little bit of background on the movie itself, because since I'm doing it solo, I'm going to add some little bit more facts and figures to people who don't know of what happened Matrix, Matrix Revolutions went... Uh, Reloaded. Revolutions will become later on. I'm sorry. Starting over my words. My bad. Had a long day. How you doing? You okay? I'm fine. Anyway, this was released May 15th, 2003. It had a budget of $127 million. And it made $741 million. Outstanding, but not quite the first. Actually, it was a little bit more than the first one. Um, as far as critically review, we'll get there. Usually what Mike does when he's here, he will read the plot. So I'm going to read the plot and I will go through it and we'll go from there. So let's do it. Six months after the events of the Matrix, Neo and Trinity are now romantically involved. Morpheus receives a message from Captain Naomi of the Logos calling an emergency meeting of the ships to Zion. Now, in the first film... They mentioned Zion as a place. And actually, you see what Zion is now. Um, it's kind of a gritty little world. You can tell the world with the machines has taken a toll on the civilization of the people who have escaped uh, this version of the Matrix. So when they come in, they actually see the effects that's been going on for pe the war with the machines is having. That's the biggest thing that you see. And we actually see that Zion is a physical place. It's, it's, you know, I won't say it's very Blade Runner. Blade Runner is probably more prettier. This is more gritty. You know, you can see that, you know, the machines basically, during this wartime, they've won. Like, they're kicking the humans' ass. And now the humans basically live in this world, basically in a cave. They're celebrating this first sort, first sort of win. Not really, but, you know, we'll go from there. Let's continue. So anyway, we get to the point. Zion has confirmed that the last transmission of the Osiris, which is King Nova's ship, and an army of sentinels is tumbling towards Zion and will reach it within 72 hours. Commander Locke orders all ships to return to Zion to prepare for the onslaught. But Morpheus asks one ship to remain in contact. The Oracle. As the Cassodius receives a message from the Oracle, one of the Cassodius crew, Bane, Encounter Smith reveals that his previous encounter with Neo served severed his connection with the Matrix and has made him a rogue program. Smith then takes over Bane's body, uses the phone line to leave the Matrix into the real world. Now, this is an interesting point. If I recall correctly, uh, there's a version where, where you see actually Smith go into the ship into somebody else's body and basically the actor i forgot the actor who played he's playing a version of hugo weaving in the matrix who's bane who's somebody else 
but he did a pretty good spot on job of Hugo Weaving, basically saying, "Hey, Neo, I mean, I'm here. You know, you, uh, you know, basically, you, basically, the actions of the first Matrix had freed him as this rogue program because basically Neo is the anomaly, and now Smith, you thought he was destroyed in that first film." Now he's this kind of rogue program, so he's not connected to kind of anything out there. So he pretty much can do anything that he wants, almost like Neo does, similar level, but we'll get there when we get to the third film. But that's where their fight sues and chaos and cats and dogs living together, all that stuff. So let us continue. In Zion, Morpheus announces the news of the advancing machines to the people. The Necromancer, God bless you, leaves Zion and enters the Matrix, where Neo meets the Oracle's bodyguard, Seraphim. Now, if you don't know what a Seraph or Seraph is, Seraph is a short saying for Seraphim. And if you know anything about biblical lore, a Seraphim is like the highest order of an angel. So another biblical reference that they mention in here as well. Who leads him to her? After realizing that the Oracle is part of the Matrix, Neo asks how he can trust her. She replies that this is his decision. Hmm. The Oracle instructs Neo to reach the source of the Matrix with the help of the Keymaster. As the Oracle departs, Mithbeer is telling Neo that after being defeated, he refused to be deleted and is now a rogue program. He demonstrates his ability to clone himself using other inhabitants of Matrix, including other agents as hosts. He then tries to absorb Neo, but fails, prompting a battle between Smith's clones and Neo. Cool little scene. Only thing I question with this scene, like it went on a little bit too long. The sound cuts were a little bit too cartoonish. If you listen during the, the middle of the battle, you hear like a bowling ball sound, like a bowling ball pin sound, like, you know, hit when Neo kind of hits one of them. You know, if you original, excuse me, if you listen to one of the original scores of this film, it's way better. It fits the scene. This the score that they came up with for this scene, a little bit cartoonish, a little bit outlandish as well, and it just I don't know. It just it just something about it. like the first Matrix was so good, so on point, so just like. If you know me long enough and you've been listening to like a 300 of our episodes in the podcast, you know that I love the grit. I love realism. I'm a big, big Batman Begins guy. Anything that's kind of like grounded in the real world, I love. Any of those, like the original Blade Runner, I'm a big fan of. Even Blade Runner 2049, I dig. Upgrade is another movie, you know, set in real times. But it's like a little grit to it. Like I love movies that are plausible. They make sense. Like it can happen. Like you know, that's why I enjoy Batman as a character because Batman can make sense. You know, you could see yourself becoming him. Now, would you become him? No, because you get your ass kicked. You probably be dead in like within six months. But the idea of Batman makes sense because you can do it. He has no powers, have some wealth, have some technology, and you can do those things. That's why I enjoy the, the Matrix. Yes, it's, it's fantastical. It's the grid, the whole computer stuff. But still, it was a lot more grounded in reality. This one was a little bit cartoonish. The fight between him and the Smiths, like, it went on a little bit too long. The CGI was, yeah, you know, him with the pogo stick. And, like, okay, I get it. Like, Neo was the one. He's, he's a badass. Cool. Um, let's move on from that. You know, it just, to me, I, like, after a while, like, the first scene, 
which I kind of glossed over when they were in the chateau. Or he's, excuse me, I got my notes up here. Sorry about that. The chateau sword fight was a cool little scene. They're going at it back and forth. You see the action. You see how Neo has embraced being this one character now. And he's a badass, complete badass. And that scene was cool. It's like, okay, we get it. And he flew away and we got it. We're good. But this scene was kind of cartoonish. And I was like, you know, okay. You know, for the first, like, when there was like six or seven Smiths, I'm cool cool with it. But when it gets like to 20 or 30 Smiths, it was like, eh, you know, maybe we want to move on from that. But, you know, it is what it is. That's just my opinion. I mean, you might enjoy it. Or might not. But anyway, I digress. So Neo manages to defend himself. But is forced to retreat with the increasing overwhelming numbers. Yes. So basically he flew off like, "Eh, see you guys later. I'm out. Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity visit the, uh, oh God, I'm going to mess up this name. The Mirovarigan, who was impersonating the Keymaster. Not the Keymaster from Ghostbusters. This is just a straight Keymaster. The Mirovarigan is a rogue program with his own gender. Refuses to let him go. His wife, Persephone, again, we're going into like, lore of different types of religion persephone if you read greek mythology is the wife of hades she was the daughter of demeter who actually if you read greek mythology lore she actually sends demeter is the god of, of seasons basically so six months of the season uh, persephone would spend in hades with hades and then basically that's when winter came and when Persephone came back to her mother for those six months of the year, it would be basically summer, autumn, and all that stuff. It would be basically bright colors because her daughter's back. Yay, good stuff. So if you read Greek mythology, you would know that. Anyway, a little history lesson. Seeking revenge on her husband for infidelity leads the trio to the key maker. The key master. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, it is the key maker. I don't know why I said key master. I'm thinking of Ghostbuster. It's the key maker. Morpheus, Trinity, and the Keymaker flee while Neo holds off Mirigan's henchmen. Again, another good action sequence. Again, you know, once you've seen the uh, the Chateau sword fight, it's a little repetitive after a while. Morpheus and Trinity try to escape with the Keymaker, pursued by several agents in the Mirigan's chief henchmen, the Twins. After a long chase, Trinity escapes. Morpheus defeats the Twins. And Neo saves Morpheus and the Keymaker from Agent Johnson. And Agent Smith is a different agent. Same thing. Whatever. You get the gist. The crew of the Necabernesser, Vigilant, and Logos help the Keymaker and Neo reach the source. The Logos crew must destroy a power plant and Vigilant crew must disable a backup power station to prevent a security system from being triggered. Allowing Neo to open the door to the source, haunted by a vision of Trinity's death, Neo asks to remain on the Necromancer. Now, this is a little cool part. One of the few cool parts in this movie. I mean, the action, I think, is, is awesome. And you can tell they upped up the CGI game, the action game for this film. Like, visually, like I always said in the Asylum podcast, it's a pretty movie to watch. Story-wise, it's a little like, hmm... So we did this in the first film. Now we're here in this film. Like, wait a minute. Like, you're basically retconning a lot of stuff. Like, you know, the way it ended. And I get it. Sequels, you want to go get bigger and better. But 
to me, if you just kept the straight through, you know, storyline, you know, one of these podcasts, I should just do like a storyline for the for the Matrix, you know, what I thought it should have been. But we'll see what happens. But to me, they just went off in a different place that I didn't think they were going to go to. And then to me, it gets a little convoluted. And you'll see when I do this summary, how it goes from there. The crews of the Nekabalizer, Nekabalizer, oh, sorry, the Vigilant and the Lagos help the Keymaker and Neo reach the source. The Lagos crew must destroy a power plant. Oh, I'm sorry, we're the same thing. The Lagos succeeds while the Vigilant is destroyed by a Sentinel with everyone aboard perishing. Shame. Trinity replaces the Vigilant crew and completes her, their mission. However, Agent Thompson corners her. And they fight as Neo, Morpheus, and the Keymaker try to reach the source. The Smiths ambush them. The Keymaker unlocks the door to the source. But the Smiths shoot him dead as he closes the door. Impactful scene. Excuse me. I get a little dry mouth. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Where was I? Oh, impactful scene. Basically, basically Neo is seeing the, the future when Trinity dies, and this is like a basically a foreshadowing of what's going to happen, or he thinks this is going to happen. Again, it's the Matrix. Shit happens. This is happening now, and we're going forward. So. Neo meets a program called The Architect, the creator of the Matrix, who explains that as the one, Neo as himself, as an international part of the design of the Matrix. Okay, now, before I read this, this is where things get, to me, a little convoluted. It's just like, okay, he's the one, but he's one of the ones. Like, there's been many ones, and they're going forward. Like, okay, you know what? To me, in my opinion... If they kept Neo as like the one, like there's been like, like for instance, let me give you this example. If the Matrix had been around for like a hundred years, all right, and the machines always won, it's kind of like uh, Infinity War. Doctor Strange has seen like, you know, 14 million, you know, things in the future. How many of the way they win? One. What if Neo was that one of like, you know, a hundred million? Like, oh yeah, you're the one, you're the first one ever. I think that would have been cool. But according to the architect, no, you're one of many. There's always been a one. I'm like, oh, okay. At the time, I was like, okay, you know, it's fine. But, you know, going back and rehashing these movies, it, I think it would have been a better choice to make Neo just the one instead of, like, one of the ones. But, anyway. The creator of the Matrix, he explains to Neo himself as an international. All right. Well, yeah, the concept. All right. All right, which is now in its sixth iteration. So there's been six versions of the Matrix, and there's always been a one. So he's a sixth version. Neo is meant to stop the Matrix's fatal system crash that naturally reoccurs due to the concept of human choice hmm. within it. As of the five previous ones, Neo has a choice either return to the source to reboot the Matrix and pick survivors to repopulate the soon to be destroyed Zion. 
as his predecessors did or all did, or a fuse causing the Matrix to crash and killing everyone connected to it, which combined with the pending destruction of Zion would mean humanity's extinction. Neo learns of Trinity's situation and chooses to save her instead of returning to the source, to which the architect responds dismissively. Here's where we get into the gist of, I guess, they call the Judo-Christianism or Christianity. And Again, it's how you interpret the whole thing. They're making him out to be this Christ savior. Like, he basically says, screw humanity, I'm going for the girl. That's the way they're doing it in this film, in this series. He's Neo is the Christ figure. I get it. But the way they write it here in the film, oh, you know what? Screw people. I just want to save my girlfriend. Again, I wish it was written a little bit differently. To the point where, like, oh, I don't have to save my, you know, if it was worded, you know, I'm trying to, like, trying to figure a way to express this. But he's basically saying, hey, you know what? Let Trinity die for everybody else to live. And he chooses, no, I'm going to save Trinity, let everybody else die. But as we go forward, we know that not necessarily the case. Because if Neo is the one, if he's this anomaly program, then he can change everything. And if you watched it, oh, I wish I could talk about the new Matrix, but I won't. Like I said, we're sticking on two right now. At this point, Neo chooses to ignore the architect's warnings, and the architect is dismissive. And he goes forward. And we'll get to that point. Trinity is shot as she and Agent Thompson fall off the building. Before she hits the ground, Neo flies down, catches her. He then removes the bullet from her chest. As she starts to flatline, Neo reaches into her and, and revives her. They return to the real world, where Sentinels attack them. The neck of Nasser is destroyed, but the crew escape. And we're escapes. Neo displays a new ability to disable real-world machines with his thoughts, but falls into a coma from the effort. The crew are picked apart, are picked up by another ship, the Hammer. It's Captain Roland. Reels the other ships in defense of Zion were wiped out by the machines after someone prematurely activated an EMP that only one survivor was found. The Smith possessed Bane. And that is how we end Reloaded. Cool little thing. I love the way they ended it. The movie itself, eh, you know, not as quite to the task as the first one. Which the, the vision that you get ending this film is Neo on one of those chairs with Bane, both passed out. Smith is inside Bane right now. They're both pa- like they're just sitting there, and we go on to um, Revolutions, I believe, or Retribution. One of the things. Something with an R. And that's how we end it. With Matrix Reloaded. Again, not my favorite of the series. It's Is it a worthy sequel? It's okay, but I think it took a lot away from the first film that I dug. And kind of made it too... Com- when you make a movie too convoluted, to me, it just... It's... It just makes like it's like the first film you love so much. Oh, this is fantastic. This is great. 
But then you watch the second one, like, wait a minute, what happened with the first one? Like, what happened to all this cool stuff with the first film? You basically just ruined it. And a lot of times when you do that, you can ruin a franchise, ruin a series, ruin everything that's going forward. It just It's just a weird thing. And as a movie buff like I am, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Even in theaters, like, okay, this is okay. I'm going to see the third one. I want to see, like, because they ended in the cliffhanger with, you know, both Neo and Bane hanging out in the chair. Cool. But, you know, the CG was good, but it was overused, especially in the Smith scene with the, what he's finding all the Smiths. I didn't like that. There were cool introspective moments with him and the Oracle, which I dug. I dug. I dig dialogue, especially when you dig deep into what Matrix really is. Architect was a cool character as well, but again, he was too monotone. Like, oh, by the way, this is the sixth episode of the Matrix. So you need to stop. Like, yeah, I wish he had a little bit more personality. I get what they were going for. He's the architect. He built this whole thing. But again, I'll reiterate. I just wish Neo was the one instead of one of the ones. You know, what if he was the only, what if that scene, he walks into the architect and the architect is like, oh my God, nobody's ever been here. Wait a minute. How did you get here? Whoa. No, he didn't say that. I'm just kidding. But if he just walked in and the architect is like just taken back and he just pushes his seat back a little bit and he's, and he, he's it, it could still be the same exact scene. He's still looking at the monitors, all the different versions but this is the first time that anybody's actually entered his sanctum. This is the first time anybody's been able to penetrate that firewall. You know, the keymaker made the key. He's the first, he's actually the first one that got the keymaker. He's the first one. What a great scene that would have been, man. Like if they would have just done it that way. Like, oh my god, like how did you get in here? How? Why? Like I don't know. Oh, well this is what needs to be done and like it, the conversation, instead of being so monotone, could have been more like, you know, you need to help us. You know, the Matrix is the verge of collapse. You know, you're the only one that's ever penetrated the, the, the wall. It, there's so many different things they could have done. And I get, like, you don't want to keep that same movie trope. Oh, well, he's not Luke Skywalker. I, I get it. But for me, if you want to go that way, you can still have the same ending as well. You can still have them both on that little gurney bed. Him and Smith, and then you can go forward to what we get to in the third film, and it still would have worked to me. But again, it's just my opinion. Anyway, guys, hopefully you dug it. Um, I'm Kane. This is the Matrix, part of the Matrix month. Yay! Hopefully you check it out, and um, if you don't, maybe we'll see you next time. Check out Midnight Movies. Check out the Hero Sound Podcast. And from the absent mic to me to you, get to the asylum kids. We'll see you soon.